all, and welcome to the Find Calm Here podcast. I'm Deb Shell, creator of Find Calm Here, a consulting agency supporting Mighty Network hosts, helping them build, launch, and grow their communities as they create and thrive. I believe that it's possible to find common building a community on the Muddy Networks. And on this podcast, I share conversations I have with Muddy Network hosts and community builders who have built, launched, and grown their own communities. Uh, They share what's worked for them and offer resources that have helped them find calm in the process of building a community. The Find Calm Here community is now exclusively for Money Network hosts. We help you find calm building your money network with the tools and resources I use with my clients to help them have a successful launch, grow membership, and tackle any challenges that come up in a safe space with peers that are all going through the same journey. Uh, It's affordable and enjoyable, so you can check it out. There is a a two-month free trial going on right now for the Find Calm Here community. Uh, Inside, I bring together uh, those Muddy Network hosts who are feeling overwhelmed with maybe launching a community, cultivating contribution, or creating an onboarding uh, plan with tools and resources that they need uh, to support them in finding calm. So uh, today, I'm excited to introduce today's guest, Jamie Ward. She's a youth empowerment advocate, self-proclaimed impact speak, uh, seeker, and the co-founder and executive director of Far Away Friends, a nonprofit that partners with local leaders in rural Uganda to break cycles of poverty through access to quality education. She is also a dynamic public speaker, social entrepreneur, and amplifier of sustainable, locally-led solutions to transform the world. Welcome, Jamie, to the Fine Come Here podcast. Thanks so much. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Deb. Yeah. So I uh, loved uh, your journey, and I want you to share a little bit of how, you know, it's a long story, but like, how did you get into this um, interest of like wanting to help um, people in Uganda? Like, how did that start? Sure. Yeah, sure. So I think uh, a lot of people can relate to being a kid and wanting to help in some way or make a difference in some big way. Um, Some of us think, okay, maybe I want to be a doctor. And then later on in our lives, we realize that eight years of medical medical school doesn't sound so great. Or, okay, maybe I want to do, you know, another career, another career career path that would lead me down that road. Um, And as a kid, I kind of wanted to do something like that, but never really found my place. And in high school, I guess I felt, you know, particularly lost when everybody was choosing where they were going to go for school and what their majors were going to be. And I I didn't really know. Um, Lucky for me, I had some divine intervention there. I was lucky enough to come across an organization called Invisible Children um, that made documentaries about the plight of child soldiers in northern Uganda. And they would bring with them um, they would do these school tours and bring with them somebody who was affected by the war, who grew up there in northern Uganda, um, was affected by these issues. And a girl came to my school. Her name was Colin Zangwech, and she was five years older than me and was just incredible. She was representing 1% of women in her community that make it to a university level of education. She was a night commuter, which meant that during the LRA war, she was leaving her boarding school at night as a child to escape from abduction and hide from LRA soldiers. And, you know, hearing her story was totally transformative in, in my young life as a, as a kid. And I realized, wow, 
my microcosm of what I think is important is so small. And I never considered that kids my age might be facing some really, really big decisions in their life at 17 years old. And this person in front of me was somebody that that had gone through those um, difficult choices in her life and made it through the other side so powerful. So getting the opportunity to talk to Collins and hear about her dreams for transforming her community and um, working with young girls and education and the value of education, what she wanted to do. I thought, man, I, I want to do this. I want to help you do this. This sounds amazing. What can I do? How can I help? And so she said, come to Uganda, come, come out, come visit my community. And my parents were like, absolutely not. You are a teenager. You're like, no way you're going to a previously war-torn nation. There's no way. Um, but after some convincing, I, I got the opportunity to go and visit my friend and see firsthand, um, you know, what she wanted to do and how she wanted to transform her own community and be a mentor for kids and build a primary school. So we came home from that trip and started telling her story and telling the story about this community of, of uh, incredible people who had big dreams for the future of their children, but didn't have um, maybe the resources that they should have been given. Um, to make those dreams happen. And in 2014, we started Faraway Friends as a 501c3 nonprofit, opened our first school in 2016, and have been going strong since. That's so amazing. It's just the, the action that you took of just like, let's go, let's go. I want to I wanna really experience this. You didn't just start something here, um, but you, you got in there and you really saw life like you saw it and that's impactful because yeah we we as americans i'm going to say majority of people probably people listening to this podcast or or uh mm -hmm. similar to us ha have never experienced these kinds of scenarios i was um my background is actually in photojournalism and so those are the kinds of things that i had wanted to do as a photojournalist um when I graduated from college, mm -hmm. yet I ended up just really realizing that I really wanted to impact locally. And so I think that you do, mm -hmm. you do too. And so you talked a little bit with me about that. I wanted to kind of, um, but sharing just personal experiences, like I could so relate to like wanting to make this huge, big impact, but then also recognizing that we don't have to go on the other side of the world either, I can like make an impact in yeah. my community as well. So I feel like, but For the sure. fact that you did that, just it just seems like so amazing. And then you start a school and uh, sounds amazing. So tell tell me a little bit about uh, that journey of, of like the business aspect, maybe of, of how you, how, yeah, just how. <laughs> yeah. How a bunch of 21 year old kids start a school with no experience. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think there's, you know, a big theme here about like starting before you're ready. Like it's, it's okay to not have everything figured out. And, um, I think that's a big reason why we've been successful in our organization and doing the things that we've done as young as we are, um, is because we, we just started and went for it before we were ready. And before we had the fancy degrees and the money to, to bring in professionals and do something, um, we really, relied on the expertise of local leaders and, you know, my co-founder being someone who grew up in this community and had connections with, um, you know, people who had visions for what a school could look like. Um, the issue that we were seeing in this community specifically was that 
uh, you had a high number of kids enrolling in primary school, but not making it to secondary school. That's because 60% of teachers weren't in the classroom teaching in a lot of these regions because they weren't being paid. Um, and that was a big issue. When teachers aren't showing up, kids don't, don't show up, and then they don't make it on to the next level. Um, so we just kind of started there and said, if this is a problem, how do we address it? And our school was truly built, um, Global Leaders Primary School was built by donations from high school kids and college kids and family and friends because we said, hey, this is what we want to do. And we're partnering with local people who know how to do it. It's their dream. Um, are we ready? No. Uh, do we think we can do it? Probably not, but let's try at least. Let's go for it. Um, and I think going back to you know the idea that you don't necessarily have to travel around the world to make an impact. You can serve locally or do something locally. Um, I think that's the beauty in, in what we do at Faraway Friends is our, our team in Uganda are the local people doing it and they are serving their community locally. And we um, on the U.S. side get the opportunity to share that dream with our local community here in Colorado or Florida or wherever our team might be. And our friends and family get to make an impact um, in partnership. So uh, we really believe in the, the transformative aspect and nature of friendship in that way. Mm, yeah, powerful. I, I love that you're talking about students. Like as a kid, you want to like make changes in the world and like being able to say, all right, well, I can give this week's allowance to helping this person. And then the, sharing the story, um, because that is is definitely something that I think sometimes maybe nonprofits underutilize necessarily like that, that story is, mm -hmm. I, I just took a course in the end of last year about how do you share your message and like, how, you know, and, and share it with people in a meaningful and intentional way where you to help and, or benefit others. And so I think that that's what you're doing there and sharing her message and her personal story and these other people who are there. Um, that's what makes it, uh, people want, they want to give, they want to help because they can connect and relate to us all. We have so many differences, but what brings us together is our humanity. We're all yeah, at the end of the day. For sure. And I think like, you know, sometimes that's defeating for young people. Like, man, the only way to help, especially in an international setting is to go on a mission trip or go on some sort of, you know, $5,000 trip where I'm going to go over for a week and I'm going to like pretend I'm teaching in a classroom and make a difference, you know, and that seems unattainable. And also it doesn't feel good. Like it's not right. Right. Um, there's already people in these communities that are doing incredible things and, and making a difference. Um, but you know, what, what we try to work with young people and in the networks that we build among young people is that um, you you have talent just by using your voice and telling your story. Um, tell the story about a person that you met from another culture or community or um, place in the world who has a vision. You get to be part of their change by amplifying that vision um, by using your voice and using your talent and time and energy in storytelling. Um, I think we really forget how, how important um, storytelling is and how easy and free it is and what a incredible tool 
it can be to to ignite change, right? Mm. And you don't need a marketing budget to tell a story. You don't need a, mm-hmm. a a pretty website necessarily. You can share your message in a lot of places that are all free. I liked how you said earlier about starting before you're ready. I think a lot of people, I'm talking to Mighty Network hosts or people who are like trying to build a community and they're, you know, one thing the the website and the email sequencing to figure out all the tech and to do all the things. And I try to talk to people because I went through that, that too, of like wanting the, all the things, but you're just as a solo entrepreneur or somebody that's doing a nonprofit or things, you just have to work on like such a tiny budget. You don't have a whole team, a marketing team and a sales team. And, you know, you're, you're Mm -hmm. like all of those hats. And so when you're doing that, you have to budget and, and figure out like, you know, bootstrapping it and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes that means it's going to be messy. And sometimes it means you're going to like try stuff. I, one of the things that I was in a, a workshop recently and I heard fail fast and then learn and then become resilient, like failing faster and then just becoming resilient. Because if you don't, if you spend that time just trying to figure out like, how am I doing this? And six months later, you're still not launched or you're still not out there sharing the message. You can get stuck in that place of like, well, I have to figure out, this was my thing. I have to figure out WordPress. And then I have to figure out, I did a crowdcast so I could figure it out crowdcast. I get to figure like mm-hmm. social media management. I have to use a, you know, a social media management tool to like sync all my, po- all this stuff. And it's just like, you know, what I really needed was just like a link for people to schedule calls so that I could talk to people because what I needed to do was connect with the people who I wanted to bring together in my money network. Right. And that's, that's it. I just need a Calendly, you know, at the end of the day, right. It's, for real, like, for real, like we can get so bogged down with those details, right. That like, there's so much pressure, um, to, to make everything perfect, that it should be this perfectly packaged, uh, plan that you have and the execution should be flawless or else don't even try or else don't even try. And how that's, it's such a bummer that, that we put that pressure on ourselves because, the beauty in our work is that, you know, you start somewhere, you're not really sure where you're, where you're starting or where you're headed or where you're going, but you fail fast and you learn as you go. And um, I mean, thank God that we're not doing the exact same thing we did at 21 that we're doing today, right? Um, especially in our organization, we've learned so much about um, things like, you know, white saviorism and neocolonialism and how we can be better advocates for our friends in other countries. Um, And it's because of those failures and those mess ups and the messy pieces of the work that we've done that have made us who we are today and that um, we're able to more deeply connect with a community of people who are like us because we're not perfect, because we fail together and we're going to learn together and um, we're going to use those lessons and continue to make an impact Mm, together. Yeah. Be, be messy. We say, we say, I joke in my community, be messy. It's okay to be messy. Like I imagine, like, I want to get a picture of a kid, like coloring with his hands or something like finger paint all over, like messy, just like that. I want to have that bit visual image because that really helps me identify with, even when I'm like going back into this, well, I should do this and I should do that. And I'm like, but it's okay. I don't need it. So I, 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 sure. I appreciate that you're sharing that. What's you know, you, so you, you learned a lot. What did you, what do you think is a, a failure that ended up becoming something that you really were like, oh, I had to go through that. And this is what 
amazing came, is there something that maybe that you struggled with but then something amazing came out of it I don't know if there's something like that oh yeah um yeah like when we first started faraway friends you know starting the school opening global leaders primary school was our our very first project and that's all we focused on right like by starting this high quality primary school, getting teachers in the classroom who are paid, who are trained, who are motivated. We provide teachers housing. Um, we're doing, you know, top notch, uh, a, a model for what primary education can be. That's going to fix all the problems. And then we opened our school and we realized, wow, we're not lifting the quality of education in this district by just opening one school to show what's possible. We need to work in tandem with these other schools around us and in partnership, especially with government schools that are so low on funding and um, their hands are so tied. I mean, the guys at the, you know, the high level district level government leaders are like, man, our budget is like dried up by the time it gets to us. Um, I think the number was like $1 per kid um, per year was all they had to spend. So we kind of went back to the drawing board and we're like, wow, like, we're not making as much of a difference as we thought we were just starting this one school. What can we do instead? How can we grow this? Um, so today, I mean, we use Global Leaders Primary School as a model, like I said, for what's possible. But we also launched a school outreach program um, through which we find schools in the area where we work in, in Amolatar District of Northern Uganda and we choose schools that have high potential for impact, whether they have really great teachers or an awesome administration, or maybe the PTA is super involved. And then we work with that leadership and say, hey, um, you know, what is your school missing? Is it a toilet? Is it um, sanitary products for your older girls? That could be a game changer for you. And how do we help you meet that goal? Um, Today, we have three partner schools that we actively work with and are really looking forward to um, expanding that network in the next year. We have some exciting things up our sleeve, um, you know, partnering high schools here in the U.S. with schools in Uganda um, to, to meet those goals. And that way, we're lifting the quality of education for this entire district, whether you go to our school or not. Um, and that's, I mean, that's partnership, right? That's amazing. I, it's such a... We talk about collaboration, right? And how can we work together? You know, talking about being a nonprofit or a solo entrepreneur, we can't do everything ourselves. We can't wear all those hats. And it's helpful when we can, you know, network with people who maybe you have a skill that I don't have and I have a skill that you don't have. And how can we work together? And, and that's what you're doing on a larger scale with these schools and saying, instead of saying, well, this is our school is really great. You're kind of also saying, mm -hmm. well, your schools are not really that great. So then instead of saying right. that, you're saying, let's help, let's work together. And then you're really creating the entire, as we talk about communities, you're really building a stronger community and uniting together by saying, well, who's got, you know, maybe here's where we can help and here's um, where, you know, this other school needs this. And I love bringing those different resources right. and identifying their, you know, maybe one place, maybe you can't change all of the things, right? But maybe you can help with just one thing, like the, the uh, I've read so many statistics on um, women who don't go to school because they don't have, because of their menstrual cycle and not having appropriate, yeah. and it's like, that's just in, insane to me. I'm like, how? It's wild. Yeah. 
Right. And like one, I mean, in the communities where we work, one in four girls are going to get pregnant before they're 19. And that has so much to do with not being in school because you didn't have access to menstrual hygiene management tools. That is such a simple solution that can keep girls in school and help them make it to graduation day. Um, so it's like these simple interventions, you don't have to necessarily build a school to make a difference. Um, you know, 10 bucks buys a pack of Afro pads, reusable sanitary pads for girls. And, and that makes a difference. So it's the small things too. Oh, so true. So amazing. Small things and small things when you're talking about business, right? When you're talking about about mm-hmm. starting small and messy. I think um, trying to simplify, I liked what you were talking about. You have a lot of clarity and, and intention in who you're bringing together or, or the projects that you're working on. You have specific you know, visualizations of, of where you're going and what you want to do. How did you get that clarity? Because I think that's a piece that a lot of people struggle with in the beginning of maybe launching something like similar to your, um, to your nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that takes time too. And I think it's, I was one of the people who, you know, as an entrepreneur beat myself up a lot. And I know my, my co-founder and the rest of our team beat ourselves up a lot about not having that clear vision of like, who is our people? What is our marketing demographic? Who are we trying to reach? And I think the thing that helped me the most kind of clarify that vision was, well, where did I start? Who was I, why did I get involved in it? Um, there's a, there's a spark behind that of why you started where you are. And there's people like you who are seeking that too. Um, So I think when you can go back to square one and say, what was, what was the first spark that ignited this wildfire that got me here? Um, That's going to be your true North star, I think. And it's going to remind you of the community that you're seeking and the people that you're trying to connect with um, and the platform that you're trying to build as well. Yeah. The, the why and why, you know, why individuals themselves bringing it back to uh, the individual and then saying, well, why do you want to bring people together? And is what I talk about with, uh, with people building communities and why do you want to build it here? So you just mentioned about platforms. And um, so I help people with the Money Network platform, which I mentioned in the beginning. And I know you said you're looking into community platforms. So tell me a little bit about what you're planning with, a, why you're building a community or, or online, or how is that going to, is that something you already have? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, we've used... Um, Facebook, for example, like Facebook groups for a long time um, to connect our community of advocates. Advocates are donors who um, give $25 a month to be a part of our work at Faraway Friends, whether that's paying teacher salaries, putting them through trainings, um, making sure that we're doing uh, things like school outreach projects and menstrual hygiene management uh, workshops. Um, and what I've found is, you know, it, not everybody's on Facebook, to be honest, like it's not like super user-friendly for everyone, especially some of our young donors. Um, Gen Z is definitely not on Facebook anymore. Um, and, uh, we've really been looking for how do we, how do we find a platform that connects, um, a lot of different kinds of people and a lot of, uh, it gives a lot of opportunity for growth as well. And that's kind of where we found Mighty Networks. And in the next year, I I alluded to it a little bit, but in the next year, we're trying to um, launch a Schools for Schools program, something very similar to the 
the program that introduced me and Collins the first time when we were 17, a program that would partner schools in the U.S. across Colorado and um, where we're at and across the United States, really, uh, with our partner schools in Uganda to help uh, cultivate that collaboration and build uh, young global citizens and grow our international community. Um, and we, we need a platform for that. So Mighty Network seems to be used by a couple other organizations and has been really effective. Uh, so I'm looking forward to piloting it with young people, high schoolers, and, and seeing kind of where that fits for them. That's awesome. I love how you said piloting it with people because they talk about building together. Uh, I think a lot of um, business people or uh, somebody who's looking to build a community, either they're bringing Facebook groups over or they've got a you know a course that they want to bring their, their course participants together. And sometimes they think it's like, I have to have everything built um, before they come in. Like before I open the doors, like they, everything has to be ready. And I think that when you're talking about building together with some of these people, that's really going to offer you the ability to like beta basically beta test the, the, the platform, beta test right. the people who are, you're bringing together. Are these the right people are, are in, if, that are interested and want to show up and, and really participate in our community? Because some people, I mean, $25 a month is, is super affordable. Maybe I just want to donate $25 a month, but I don't necessarily want to be a part of a specific community or be able to show up all the time. So um, knowing those people, who, you know, what they're going to um, to do in the community and helping collaborate with them to build it together is really, you're ahead of the curve. <laughs> Let me say that <laughs> on, on what a lot of Thanks. people think that, you know, they have to have it, you know, built and then they invite people. So I think that's a really great way to look at it. And, you know, whatever platform you you'd end up deciding on, if it is Muddy Networks or if it's another one, bringing people together and you already have so much vision around who you're bringing together and why. And I starting in like, you're starting in, let's say you're starting in Colorado, right? You have a big vision, yeah. but this is, some people say, well, where do I start? And like, you've already kind of right. identified, well, I'm starting where I'm at because that makes the most logical sense, right? Sure. Because there's going to be some feet on the ground, I'm guessing. You're going to be going out right. to places. So it's not just a necessarily a online community. It's going to be a part online community, but you actually have physical communities that you're connecting together out in the real world and bringing them together online, which is, which is an amazing awesome thing. And you also pointed out earlier about what you're passionate about. And so I feel like that just helps as you're building community, connecting back to that passion constantly through that process of community building and, and re recognizing like, cause some days you're like, why am I doing this again? <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And especially when you, you, you get in a, like a mode of comparing your, yourself and your business to somebody else who like is much further down the road and has like the bright, shiny, beautifully curated network put together. And then you're like, wow, my group is like ragtag. Like we have some posts up. We're like, you know, trying to make it work. Um, but that's okay too. Like we, we grow into, um, you know, who we're meant to be over time. Mm. And, and I think that's true about uh, our businesses and our communities that we're growing to. Yeah. I just had a podcast interview uh, the other day and we were talking about this exact thing, like contribution, like you, you have to put so much in, in the beginning to like really build that habit of people to know what, you know, what, what's the purpose of this place and like really um, just connecting with those people and contribution is, 
is different. It depends. It might not, it might not be posts, uh, in your, on your, you know, on your space all the time. It might be them showing up on a zoom call if you have live events or if they're, um, doing other kinds of contribution, like sharing or inviting other people to join and things like that. Those outreach methods, those are mm-hmm. all part of contribution. You had a, um, you mentioned about your advocates. How, um, did you go about, um, you know, encouraging people in that way to, to be an, become an advocate? What was that program like for you? Yeah, sure. So um, our advocate program is kind of, uh, how do I want to say it tactfully? Um, the antithesis to like child sponsorship, for example, we've found that some child sponsorship models are, you know, kind of outdated and kind of rooted in white supremacy in a lot of ways. Um, And we wanted to do something different. And so we kind of went back to the drawing board again with, with our Ugandan team and said, how can we center, you know, a a program that can get our donors in the U S involved and really feel connected in a partnership aspect and it's not paternalistic and it's not, um, it doesn't feel yucky. Like it feels empowering for everybody who's involved. And so that's when we came up with the advocate program. Um, our advocates are, are people who want to be a part of our movement for educational equity across the world. Um, but are also very cognizant of spaces that respect the people locally who are already doing the work. Um, we really believe that in you know the U.S. or in Western countries are some of our biggest privileges is the platforms that we have access to and the connections that we have. Um, so being an advocate, you, you're donating $25 a month, but you're also using your voice and the platforms and privileges that you're given as a, as a Western, you know, Western global citizen um, to raise the awareness about the work that local leaders in uh, rural communities in Uganda are trying to do and the vision that they have for the future of their community and for their children and their people. Um, And that program has been really exciting and a really effective way for us to build community around our mission. Mm. What do you think is the... um gravitational point, because I really like how you're saying about how other models have happened in the past and and stepping away from that kind of, which is an easy, to me, it seems like an easy route. Like, you know, a lot of nonprofits that are similar to yours are probably doing that path. And you're kind of saying, I'm stepping away from that path. What uh, specifically maybe approach did you use to to differentiate yourself and, and, and share this? And that's how the message connected. Sure. So like the first time we launched um, a monthly donor program, it was for uh, teacher sponsorship. So it was adults to adults. Um, there wasn't necessarily like children involved, right? So we really believe that it's it's the teachers who make the biggest impact. It's the local teachers who, who are standing in front of their classrooms every day and who are mentors for these young kids in their communities. And so um, our monthly donors would donate towards their salaries and their training every month. And still the advocate program does that. Um, but then we realized, you know, that's still a sponsorship model technically. Um, and we wanted to move away from that, away from more, I'm the donor, you're the recipient, uh, you know, you're the beneficiary to we are partners in this and I see you and I support your work. And I'm going to tell my friends and family and community about the incredible things that you're doing every day in your job to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I love the partnership aspect and collaboration and just respecting each other's humanity of say, you know, we're. Just bringing bringing it all to the same, and teachers obviously they struggle in the U.S. with their salaries. We, it's not 
Teachers are not like the <laughs> highest paid people and they do a lot of work um, and they educate our, yeah. our, our children who are, are then going to become, you know, leaders in, in the world. So it's just, they have a really hard job on themselves and Oh my God. And most of our advocates, Deb, are teachers, believe it or not. Like I would say 85% of those donors are teachers who understand how difficult it is to be in a classroom, um, especially in public schools in our country who, you know, don't have the training they need or the materials or are not getting paid what they deserve. Um, And so they're really the advocates, again, for teachers in a rural community in Uganda and saying, I know what it's like in my country where I have so much access to opportunities um, and yet still struggle. Um, let me raise awareness about, you know, what you're dealing with and going through and let's work together to um, improve your classrooms and make the experience even better for you and your students. Did you just start going, so you started with your school and then you expanded out to other schools and other districts in, in Colorado. Is that kind of how it got, that got started as far as just like making the teachers aware uh, of you know, what's going on yeah. and then saying, Hey, do you want to support this, this vision? For sure. Yeah. So many of our donors were teachers that I had in high school were, um, you know, who heard about me and Collins, story. Um, one of our very, very first monthly donors is, um, still a math teacher at this school that I graduated from once upon a time and is now the teacher sponsor of our faraway friends club at that high school, um, and is working with high school kids who want to get involved in this work. So, uh, through that network and kind of starting there, you know, again, we launched this dream for a faraway friends, uh, nonprofit in a school, in a high school. Um, it's around educational equity. Where where do we start telling the story? Who, who will listen to the story? It's the teachers who are going to listen. Um, so again, you know, wherever you're starting in your business or, um, you know, your community, look around you and who's who are the people who are most willing to listen to your story and um, listen, hear your struggle and can relate with it and resonate with it most. Um, those are your people. Right. It's, it's so you have such a passion for it. I can see it in your face because we're on Zoom, but I can also hear it in your voice. And I'm sure that both the listeners of the podcast are listening and, and just hearing that energy come out. So I appreciate your being so sharing all of this and talking about connecting to these people who are literally in your community, starting from in your community, a lot of people um, have a vision about wanting to um, bring in members or uh, have clients or, or things like that, that, and they say, oh, these are my, um, my ideal person is between the age of 20 to 40, the female, and she's a mom mm. and those kinds of demographics, but like identifying who, so who is that? Like, is that Sue down the street? Like, is that, you know, Tom, mm. like, who are these people? And like, I really try to ask people when they're like, oh, I'm going to, you know, start an email list and I'm going to, you know, do a wait list or campaigns on Facebook and Instagram. And I said, okay, that's cool. But like, also <laughs> who do you know? Yeah. Like, who do you, there's there five people you can write down the five people's names right now and, and you have their phone number, their email address, and you can say, Hey, I'm doing this thing. Are you, you want to hear about it? Are you interested to hear about it? Right. Because that's really what it comes down to when you're starting from like zero, you just, you have to start where, mm-hmm. where you are, who, you know, you know, it's, it's like a common sense thing, but I think sometimes 
as we're talking about business and like comparison to other people, when you see people that have a thousand or 10,000 or 50,000 followers and you're like, I don't know how, you know, how am I going to, you know, sell or market my product or service or, or create my vision or raise the funds that I need because I don't have Mm 50,000 people, but it, it comes down to just starting where you are and starting with one, two, three, four, five people and starting small. And then those people help you. So I like that you're sharing about, yeah, starting from where you are, keeping it simple and Mm -hmm. really just focusing in on the intentionality and getting clear. So we talk about the calm method of clarity, awareness, learning, emotion. So you're you basically through this whole conversation, you just really described, you've got really clear about what you, what you wanted to do, who you wanted to help, how you're going to solve some problems and maybe who you could get to help you, which are the teachers. And then you decided, Oh, I'm going to, I became aware you were, you were, you went and you tried some things and might not necessarily have panned out the way you expected. And so you pivoted and that's like becoming aware of something you learned, you're learning more things, learning more tools, and then you're putting it in emotion right away. And then you're just continuing that cycle again, we gain clarity. Oh, this is what we learned. You know, it's just, um, that's what I think a lot of people try to rush through that process and make it go really, really fast. And sometimes you just have to say, all right, sometimes it takes a while, right? Longer. Oh, for sure. And like, we're almost 10 years in to the work that we're doing. And it's like, man, you can, at, at year one, you're, you have no idea what you're going to be at year 10. I, I always tell, you know, the young kids that we work with, the high schoolers that we partner with, your life is bigger than your best dream for it. That's a quote by Jason Russell, who inspired you know me to do this work. And um, I think it's so true in your business as well. Your business is going to be bigger than your best dream for it. So where you're starting today isn't. It might not necessarily be where you end up in ten years. It might be even more magical than you could imagine. So definitely start before you're ready. Yeah, and it's, it could be a completely different thing. A year ago, I launched my community on the Way Networks for the first time. I was doing virtual events, uh, doing so much learning and failing and learning and failing again. And a year later, I'm in a completely different place um, with a completely different community of people who I didn't have any idea I was going to help a year ago. <laughs> so it's just, you just, there you you go. just never know where things are going to end. So thank you so much for chatting with me. I appreciate your time and, and willingness to just share this story. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that maybe you wanted to share um, before we wrap it up? Um, you know, I think we covered a lot, Deb. Thank you so much for having me. Um, if any of your listeners are interested in learning more about our work, um, our website is farawayfriends.org. And again, if you're interested in becoming an advocate, maybe, you know, child sponsorship doesn't necessarily speak to you, but you want to make an impact that, you know, is, um, chosen by local leaders in the communities that you're serving, um, farawayfriends.org slash advocate is where you can learn more. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I appreciate you being here for us today. Uh, listeners, hopefully you can check out uh, the nonprofit Faraway Friends and uh, maybe participate in your community. So I'm excited um, because I'm going to look into that today too. So uh, thanks so much for sharing. And for everybody out there listening, please uh, check out the show notes. I'll have links in the show notes for um, the websites that we mentioned as well. And uh, we will see you next time on the Find Calm Here podcast and take care until then. Bye.